0: Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio. I'm joined today by my co-host. Martha from Boston Red Cloaks. And we've got a great guest today. Joining us is Leah Copeland, who is the Program Director from Maine Family Planning. Hello. Good morning. Great to have you here. We're really excited today to discuss the topic of telemedicine abortion. Let's just start out first by understanding,
1: tell us more about Maine Family Planning. What kind of services you, do you provide? So Maine Family Planning, we have 18 clinics around the state of Maine. And we provide full range sexual and reproductive health care, including STIs, contrast testing, contraception, gender affirming health care, we have primary care at one of our sites and we do abortion care both um, aspiration in clinic abortions as well as abortions via telehealth and medication abortions at all our sites. Maine, you know,
0: is a big bigger state broader state than Massachusetts. So you have 18 clinics. Do you find that those clinics are spread out in a way that people can easily access
1: a clinic regardless of where they live? To some extent, um, we are a very rural state. So there are certainly people that have to still travel far, even with our network of clinics. There are other clinics as well. There's um, an independent clinic in Bangor called the Mabel Wadsworth Clinic, and then there's a Planned Parenthood clinic in the southern part of the state. So for the most part, people could access abortion uh, within a couple hour drive. But even so, with all those clinics, there are people for whom that's a hardship. And of course, winter, Maine, driving, cost of gas, child care, all of the hurdles that people have to seek abortion, even with those clinics, sometimes uh, it can be challenging to access care. Speaking about uh, affordability, I would like to know how affordable is the care at your clinic? First of all, for all our services, we generally have a sliding scale for our healthcare services, and with abortion, we really try to make finances not a barrier to care. We do have some state abortion funds that support our work, and we do discuss finances with everybody and again try to make the care accessible if possible. Oh, do you take care of people outside from Maine? anyone could come to our clinics and get care in our clinics for sure so we do sometimes have folks that come from new hampshire over to one of our clinics
0: accessibility is so difficult martha and i have spent time getting to know people who volunteer at clinics across the country like mississippi where there's only one clinic even here in massachusetts while there are clinics and you can get access to abortion, depending where you live, in a more rural area, if you're on the Cape, you still might have to, as you described, travel two hours or more to get somewhere. And that's if you have a car. If you have to use public transportation, it can take even longer. And with a waiting period, of course, a 24-hour waiting period, people can't just go and miss one day of work to access the care they need. They often have to miss more work or find more child care, and it's, it's not easy. So it brings us to some really good news on the access front, which we sure need which is you are now offering service and people in Massachusetts for the first time will be able to access abortion care through you through telemedicine. How did that come to pass? What does it look like? And how could people learn more?
1: I'll back up a little bit to say that back in 2014, Maine started a telehealth abortion service where we had a model where patients could go to any of our 18 clinics, meet with a nurse practitioner there, and then get the ultrasound, everything they needed to get medications for medication abortion. And then we would use a telehealth model where they could connect with a physician in our Augusta clinic. At that time, it it was required that physicians only performed abortions. We couldn't have our nurse practitioners do them. That has since changed because of some some laws. But at the time we had that telehealth system built. So in 2014 when we started, we were one of only a handful of states who had started this telehealth medication abortion. Iowa was the first. Um, And so we were kind of ahead of the game with getting telehealth set up. We expanded um, in 2017 to join with the Genuity Teleabortion Project, which is a clinical trial looking at mailing, pills necessary for medication abortion to folks to see the acceptability and the safety and efficacy of that. That trial has been going on um, for several years now, and it's in, I think, probably about 14 states. Um, so we offered that beginning in 2017 to Mainers. And in 2018, we expanded and began offering that to folks in New York who wanted an abortion. And at the time that was because there was a site in new york that had been offering it and they were no longer able to and since we were all ready to go and we had a physician licensed in new york we said okay well we'll take over the new york site so we've been providing telehealth medication abortions to mainers to folks in new york now for several years um when the pandemic hit we actually heard from some people in massachusetts that hey could we extend this offering to people here and they knew that we had been involved with the study. And it's taken a little while to get off the ground for all sorts of reasons, but uh, we finally are ready to launch in Massachusetts. And so basically we are doing the same study that we've been doing and that exists in, again, I think uh, 12 or 14 states already, but we will now be providing it to residents of Massachusetts.
0: So my understanding with mifepristone is that the medication used for medication abortions is restricted by the US Food and Drug Administration. So when the FDA approved it, they said, "Okay, it's approved. They have 20,000 medications they have approved. Viagra has been approved. Mifepristone is approved. But immediately, people who opposed abortion said, wait a minute, we're not comfortable having this approved like an ordinary medication. We think it should fall under a special category which is called the REMS program. And this is something called the Risk Evaluation Mitigation Strategy. That is a mouthful. So under this (laughs) strategy, they can restrict the circulation of this medication, again, unlike Viagra. And what they've said is there's two things you'd have to do if you want to take the drug once it's under this risk evaluation mitigation strategy, you'd have to either have it dispensed by a clinic, medical office, or hospital. It has to be under the supervision of a healthcare provider who's registered with the drug manufacturer. And patients have to sign a patient agreement form saying that they have received counseling about the drug. Again, none of that's required for Viagra. (laughs) Right, So this becomes important um, because when you talk about Genuity, Genuity is a researcher and they're running a whole research project about the drug which allows people to access it. Is that right? I know it's a lot, but we have to really kind of the landscape.
1: Yes. No, you explained that really well. It is very confusing. So the risk evaluation mitigation strategy, or what we call the REMS, has been in place, even though mifepristone has been around now for over 20 years. Millions and millions of people have used this drug safely on their own in all many, many different countries. Um, and we have an abundance of data demonstrating its safety. So we don't even have the safety question anymore. Um, the study is really looking at the the fact that people can obtain this on their own in their home in a box from the mail and still use it safely. And um, of course, we we know that, the, that they can and that they are using it that way. So basically, people can order it in the mail like they right now during the pandemic order all kinds of supplies
0: in the mail. You can order Advil in the mail. You can order acetaminophen. You can order yep. masks, right? Yes. So it's just Absolutely. like anything else. You place an order. It comes to your house. You take the medication.
1: Is this like the after day pill, the morning after pill? Yes. Uh, No, this is actually different. So with the morning after pill that's taken after somebody has sex and knows that they don't want to be pregnant, they can go ahead and take the morning after pill and it is not 100% effective, but it's fairly good at preventing implantation in a pregnancy. This pill is used once somebody knows that they are pregnant. Uh, So we usually have somebody have a missed period and they take a positive pregnancy test and then they can go ahead and use this pill. At this point, the study does require that they do have an ultrasound confirming that they have an intrauterine pregnancy, that the pregnancy is inside their uterus. So we
0: now know the morning after pill is one thing, this is different. And we now know that there's been a lot of scrutiny from anti-abortion regulators who have tried to make it more difficult and have built up kind of this alternate reality or you know, an idea that something isn't safe when actually what we're, what we're understanding is this has been used effectively for over 20 years. There is a, a research period that's going on right now in a study, so it's not like this has been given out and we don't know what happens. We actually do know what happens with patients. Let's go back to like sort of day one. I'm a patient. Maybe I've missed my period. I've perhaps taken a home pregnancy test and I realize I'm pregnant. I can't handle having a pregnancy right now. I do not want to have a pregnancy I
1: reach out for help. What are the steps I would need to go through? If somebody wanted to participate in the clinical trial uh, and obtain these pills and they lived in Massachusetts, where I recommend you start is the teleabortion.org website, where it goes over all of the things that are required to participate in the study. And when you actually select, you have an option to select your state, you can choose Massachusetts and it'll guide you right to uh, how to reach us here at Maine Family Planning once you talk with us we kind of go over some basic information make sure that you're a candidate don't have any health risks that would make this not an ideal method for you get some information Um, at this point it is required that you obtain an ultrasound someplace and that can be done locally and we can certainly help with that if that's uh, if somebody doesn't have an easy way to do that in terms of helping to order that ultrasound or find local places that could do that Once we have the ultrasound report, we can have you meet with one of our medical assistants and we go over all of that information and you mentioned that there's a consent that is required with Mifepristone, a manufacturer's consent. Um, We have you sign that all electronically. We have you sign the study forms electronically, similar to like a, a DocuSign type format where you can just do everything from your phone or computer and meet with us for about 20 minutes, half an hour, where we go over exactly how and when to use the medications. And then you meet with one of our providers who is licensed in the state of Massachusetts. And they will go over some more information, make sure you're comfortable doing this uh, medication abortion via telehealth and that you have the information you need. And then we can order the pills directly from a mail order pharmacy and they show up at your house in two days.
0: That's really awesome. It definitely takes some of the pressure off, especially during COVID. Do you mm-hmm. have to get a blood test or just the ultrasound?
1: We don't require a blood test. Um, we, if somebody knows their blood type, then um, we can just use their report of that. You're probably referring to RH testing or ROGAM, and those recommendations now have said that up to 10 weeks or 70 days, it's not necessary. So we no longer require that.
0: Do want to help people get this information out, because this came up in a different podcast too. The way people actually figure out if they're pregnant is the urine test that you're taking. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how you're actually figuring out. So for people who've heard, oh, I have to get a blood test, that does not actually determine whether you're pregnant or not. That has to do with testing if you're RH negative. And it's been shown that that information is not at all necessary to figure out whether you want it to end a pregnancy. So I think it's, that's yeah. something that I didn't fully understand as a mm-hmm. non-medical person. And it helps Mm -hmm. to understand that. So if I were to go ahead and do the telemedicine appointment, is there any like self-care? Are there ways I can take care of myself to make sure that I'm, you know, eating or resting or just sort of basic self-care?
1: Sure. So definitely having some, any kind of thing that's supportive to you. So having supportive folks around, having heating pad is nice for cramps. Um, We include in the box of medications, some prescription strength ibuprofen. But some people add Tylenol to that as well um, we always recommend eating well and keeping hydrated just because there may be a period of time where you're not feeling so great and maybe don't feel like eating or drinking that much so it's good to kind of start off hydrated um, most people describe it as heavier uh, bleeding and more crampy than a period but we have many folks who do it and are you know ready to roll the next day or so about 93% of people pass the pregnancy within six hours of using the meds at home. But we do recommend if you have the option to take a day or two off work or get help with childcare that it's nice to do that because for some folks it does take a little bit longer and is is a little crampier and there is a little more bleeding. And so having kind of a little bit of a a window around um, when you have to go back to your regular activities is always helpful.
0: And giving yourself just a little latitude so that you can, you know, watch a little more TV or if you can, you know, (laughs) just be gentle with yourself like you would, Mm -hmm. you know, after anything that you're doing that's new, you just want to like give yourself a little space if you can. Absolutely. And it's definitely Absolutely. hard if you're juggling jobs or mm-hmm. work or kids or mm-hmm. pets or anything like that. So, you know, a little bit of extra TLC for yourself is a good idea. That's Absolutely. non-medical advice. I can't give any medical <laughs> I advice. I agree. <laughs> Let's talk a little tiny bit more about the ultrasound part. The Supreme Court of the United States has just spoken about two weeks ago from this recording because there had been a big lawsuit related to, again, trying to push and make it more difficult to access mifepristone. And so the ultrasound, I just want to go through for people, while um, it's it's used not, again, to figure out if you're pregnant, it's used to figure out how pregnant you are, how long it's been, the sort of gestational age of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for that lawsuit,
1: would the ultrasound be required? Here in Maine, we've been offering what we call a no-test medication abortion, which is a medication abortion without an ultrasound uh, since the pandemic started, and we've done hundreds and hundreds of them, and our outcomes so far seem to be very similar to when people have an ultrasound. There has been research that's been done in this area for quite a bit of time and demonstrates that people are very good at telling how far along they are in their pregnancy many people know when their last period was they know exactly how far along they are and they're very good at estimating it so the ultrasound for many people not everybody but for many people is probably unnecessary in england they've been doing what they call pills by post which is very similar to our uh the genuity project um, where they've been doing the same thing they've been Um, doing everything over telehealth, and then sending out pills, and they're not requiring an ultrasound, and they've had over 8,000 so far with really good results. The ultrasound is required because of the parameters of the study at this point, and so we're continuing with that. Um, Our hope, certainly, is that the REMS goes away. Um, There is a lawsuit looking to overturn the REMS, and also we're hopeful that the new administration will realize that this is not based in science, and um, that we do have safety and efficacy that demonstrates medication abortion pills are safe, Mifepristone is safe. And um, if the REMS goes away, then that would really open the doors to us doing what we do with our patients here in Maine, which is just going over the pros and cons, explaining the risks if they don't have an ultrasound and really letting people make decisions about their own bodies and what's safest, knowing that um, we'll support them. I want to ask, you said about the administration. Do you mean your state administration or the national? I'm, yeah, I mean the new federal administration that hopefully the, the FDA and um, yeah, in the, the administration that they'll sort of recognize that the science really doesn't support the REMS and so they'll get that overturned.
0: The ultrasound again the reason i understand from reading some articles um, by Carrie baker about this the ultrasound is about again figuring out how far along the pregnancy is because the medication itself is seen as effective in in the first i think whatever 77 days or the first some number of days
1: and i'll just add that the other reason for the ultrasound is to rule out a pretty rare complication something called an ectopic or a tubal pregnancy where a pregnancy is actually growing outside of the uterus. Um, and again, that can be a potentially dangerous situation, but there are a lot of warning signs for that. There's ways to screen if somebody's at risk for that. And so we use a protocol that really looks to uh, weed out folks who may be at a higher risk for that. And also we really educate folks of what to look for. Um, we'll always have some ectopic pregnancies. And in fact, we have had some with the no test protocol but we are able to safely manage them just like um you know every people have been doing for years when people miscarry or other situations where uh, an topic arises
0: we know nationally some legislators have said some really um ill-informed things about pregnancy and how to um, how to address it Absolutely. so we really encourage everyone who's listening to reach out to a qualified provider and make sure that you're getting sound advice. I know there's a lot of information on the internet and this is being mm-hmm. shared across the internet, but you wanna actually use the links that we provided. Check out our website and Instagram page and everywhere we post this to find links and you know, contact your own doctor. If you don't have one, then you can look it up again and tell us that website again where we can find a provider. Uh,
1: Teleabortion.org, so T-E-L-A-B-O-R-T-I-O-N.org. And you and can choose your state and choose Massachusetts.
0: It's really helpful to have a recommendation to a, a central place to take a look. If you're in Massachusetts, the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Massachusetts also has links for clinics in the state of Massachusetts. We really appreciate your taking time today to unpack this. It is good news in the state. Um, the only other thing we just wanted to ask is, why now? What made it possible to have Massachusetts included at this point in in the study?
1: Well, there was... There's different barriers in different states. Some of them have telehealth rules. Some of them have mandated ultrasounds or waiting periods. So there's only a certain number of states where this is possible. Um, Massachusetts actually has been possible for a little while. um, But it took us a little while to get things rolling. And one of the things that really helped was when the Roe Act um, went into effect and allowed our nurse practitioners to provide... Uh, medication abortion, we have a nurse practitioner who's already licensed in Massachusetts and ready to to be able to offer this service. Before we go, uh, you said that there are 14 states uh, linked to this teleabortion. So if we go to the website, we can see what States you are linked to? Yeah, I actually am just looking now. There's actually 15 states now that we've added Massachusetts. Um, are you linked or are you associated with any states in the South? Personally, Maine Family Planning is administering the study for Maine, New York, and now Massachusetts. And unfortunately, a lot of the Southern states have restrictions that make the study not possible, either okay. again, due to regulations around telehealth or regulations around abortion. But you can see the list of states and hopefully they will continue to add them as able. Okay. Very we'll keep
0: good. following it. Thank you, Leia, again so much. We really appreciate it. And we look thank forward you, to both.
1: knowledge is power. Oh. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you, Leia.